Albert Einstein once said, the important thing is to never stop questioning. Hello everyone and welcome to Nerdy Optometrist. I'm excited to record my new episode of the series Across the Border and this time we are going to travel all the way to Australia. Our guest for today is a scientist and researcher who has never stopped asking questions, Dr. Vinod Masidapalli. He started his journey of optometry from India at LB Prasad Eye Institute and Boshinlam School of Optometry. He later moved on to earn his PhD from University of New South Wales, where he's currently a lecturer. I'm really excited to learn more about his insights and wonderful inspiration stories. Thank you, Dr. Vinod, for being part of this podcast and welcome. Uh, okay, thanks. Um, thanks for including me in your podcast. And um, hi to everybody around India and world. I know I did not do enough justice in your introduction, but I would like to have you give me some more insights and a brief information about your journey. Okay, so I, I started uh, doing optometry in 1996. This was when there were only two colleges of optometry which offered a bachelor degree. The one was a uh, All India Institute of Medical Sciences in Delhi and then Elite School in Chennai. And there were lots of diploma schools. Then given the proximity, I thought uh, I will go for the easy one. And then uh, the diploma was offered at LV Prasad Institute in the form of Diploma in Ophthalmic Techniques. I joined at LV Prasad Institute in 96. And then I completed my diploma and then fellowship in 2000. And then joined at LV Prasad Institute and I worked for Brian Holden Research Institute, mm-hmm. primarily involving in um, contact lens research, but I also was involved in contact lens in general. I was also partly involved in teaching at the Boshinom School of Optometry, which just started then, so it was in 2000. Of course, I then felt the need for doing an undergraduate degree um, or bachelor's degree. Then I entered into the third year as a lateral entry at Boshinom School of Optometry, and then I completed that in 2005. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, back to contact lens at LV Prasada Institute, working at clinics and also involved in research. And I was also teaching at the Boshinom School of Optometry, and my involvement in teaching was a lot more at Boshinom mm-hmm. School of Optometry by then. Then I realized that um, if we were to um, sustain in academic world, I thought, Um, a higher degree is really required, then I thought I will do a master's. But uh, though there were schools of optometry uh, then, but I thought I need to get a really good degree. And then I want to explore more. Everybody suggested that I had uh, good grades and then I need to go for PhD rather than just a master's degree. Then I ventured into it. And then that's when I applied for my PhD. Uh, first to go was a fail. My application was not successful. And then I went a second round and then I, it was successful at the University of New South Wales. And then I got into PhD here and then that's the rest of it. Just a quick question. As you mentioned that when you started your journey in optometry, there were only two colleges. Optometry is still not regulated, but though it's at a much better scale. How did you get into it? Just curious to know how did optometry happen to you? We had an optical shop um, about 150 kilometers away from Hyderabad. Uh, the place was called Nagarjuna Saga. My father felt the need for somebody who can test eyes. He didn't, he didn't even know uh, the term used was optometry. 
So he inquired with a few people and then uh, he got to know there was, there was one at Sarojini Devi Aya Hospital in Hyderabad. Mm-hmm. But it was very tough. We were asked to get uh, high recommendations. I was also partly involved with money and then we couldn't afford that. Then there was an advertisement which came from uh, Elio Prasada Institute in a regional newspaper. That advertisement motivated us to apply for it. And then I went, when I went to Elio Prasada Institute just to get an application and fill it out, that was an eye-opening institute for me at that time. I'm talking about 1996 when the institute was just two and a half floors. And then I was so much impressed by that institute. And then I thought I should definitely get into the diploma then there. So that's how I got into optometry. So basically, the, my father felt the need for a person to test eyes in the optical job. But of course, the, the destiny took a different turn altogether. <laughs> I don't even know how Optometry or LV Prasada Institute was back then. But currently, it is one of the best uh, research institute in India. I wouldn't just say research. I would say in terms of um, clinics, uh, in terms of education, and in terms of research. I've touched all of these when I gave my introduction. Right. I was doing research. I was doing um, clinics on my own, like in the contact lens department. And I was also uh, involved in teaching. When I said teaching, it's not necessarily limited to the Bosch Norm School of Optometry. I was teaching at El Institute, the fellows who were coming then, and um, ophthalmic nurses, even ophthalmologists. Um, so I wouldn't limit only for research. Right. I didn't know so much about it, but I'm so so happy to learn how they have contributed to the entire optometry in India. Now, I do know that you wanted to do PhD. Why Australia? Was there any reason behind it? Oh, very good question. Firstly, I, I told you when I worked for research at Elie Prasad Institute, I was involved in Brian Holden research, right? Yeah. So we were doing collaborative clinical trials. I was a research optometrist at Elie Prasad Institute. So we, we had a kind of connection already established by then. Mm-hmm. When I was at the Bosch Norm School of Optometry teaching there after completion of my undergraduate degree, I didn't really think of getting into uh, any higher degrees. I thought bachelor's is enough and then that's it. And then we'll just teach and then run clinics because I was so much into clinics and loved clinics so much and also partly research, which was fantastic. But when a few of my colleagues were uh, applying for master's, PhD outside and they were going and they they were uh, the ones who actually motivated me. You know, the, you got good experience. Why don't you even try Mm-hmm. At least let the world know that you are there. <laughs> then I thought I'll, I'll just try. And then when I tried, there were lots of institutes. And obviously my interests were in contact lenses. And uh, at that time, uh, contact lens was very good in Canada, Waterloo. Mm-hmm. And also at Brian Holden Research Institute and or UNSW School of Optometry and Vision Science. So, okay. So given that connection already established and a few of my colleagues already entered into master's or PhD at UNSW and they were guiding me on my application. So that was useful. And I didn't apply any other university anywhere in the world. I only applied at UNSW. That's it. So, and I got in here. Glad you applied because you are currently working in a very interesting domain of research, which I'll get into a little later. Mm -hmm. But you had a lot of experience in clinical, in teaching, in, you know, research from LV Prasad. How did that all help you when you were going through the process of PhD? Okay, so uh, to touch that upon, I should tell you that I never planned my life. People have, you know, dreams and targets in life and aims, uh, uh, but I've never planned my life. So uh, given that background, um, so I was just going with the wind. Mm-hmm. So when I completed my diploma, I was already like offered to work in contact lens. And that I thought is a good opportunity. And then I was, I entered into contact lens. And good thing about that was 
contact lens clinics and associated research. Fantastic. And I didn't know that I was actually making a good CV then. Okay. I was just doing it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. And it was, it was all like necessity driven. And then I could see that a lot of um, optometrist schools coming around and lots of people are getting bachelor degree. And then uh, I, I felt the need to do an undergraduate degree. Okay, let's do an undergraduate degree. And then um, uh, fortunately, the chi- chairman of uh, LV Prasad Institute, Dr. Gulapalli Nageshwar Rao, mm-hmm. he said, don't go anywhere else. We'll ensure that we, you will get a place at Bosch Norm School of Optometry. And then I got okay. him there. Okay, so so now that I got connection with teaching, research, and clinics, it didn't happen that I planned like that. So, and, and how it helped me get in here, by the time I finished my undergraduate degree, from my previous experience working at Elite Plus Institute, I had a um, paper as a co-author uh, in one of oh. the peer-reviewed journals. And that one, plus the teaching experience, plus having seen all difficult cases, uh, I'm talking about keratoconus or pellucid marginal degeneration or uh, fitting uh, contact lenses for I didn't know that. I was, I was actually doing a specialty practice already then. I didn't even realize that. I was just doing it. For some reason, I didn't want to go back to the Institute after my undergraduate degree. And then I thought I'll work at uh, I hospital. I sent my CV. And the person who interviewed me said, I don't know why you want to join here. You are not supposed to be here. You should get out of this country, he said. <laughs> I didn't know my CV was so great then. Okay. Right. Then that was a push. And then um, yeah, people suggested me. I just applied and that. How it helped me? Yeah. So published paper is definitely a requirement for uh, research. Mm-hmm. And it is a more of a requirement uh, these days. And any experience in teaching and in clinics is a great helpful because any experience in clinics, uh, they saw in uh, in my CV here at UNSW, they offered me to teach already. So when I came here, wow. so, you know, you have uh, teaching experience, you have clinic experience, you have to teach here. Then I, I was involved in teaching while I was doing my PhD. And I also was involved not directly in, uh, in clinics, but clinical teaching here. So it, it all helped me. Again, I said, this, nothing was planned. There's one thing which is very common from my previous guest uh, to you. And I think even I have a similar experience. The kind of patients we see back in India, the exposure clinically we get, we just feel it's another case. And, you know, everyone is practicing, learning. But as you mentioned about uh, specialty practices that we do without even realizing that we are in that domain. So I think this is one thing where Indian optometry is excellent, giving you exposure to different eye conditions. So that is something which I'm really proud of experiencing myself. And I think that's a common thread between every other guest that I have heard so far. Oh, yeah, yeah. Adding to that one, mm-hmm. I'll tell you the current Indian optometry is, is so great. It's so fantastic. Okay. Be it in terms of specialty practices, be it in terms of whether it's scleral contact lens fitting or prosthetic eyes. We are doing a lot well. The only thing at, at this stage I think we should need is more strategizing. Right. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of touch base again on how you had mentioned initially that LB Prasad did have collaboration with Brian Holden a Research Institute. How has the collaboration now transformed from then till now? Okay, let's talk a little bit of research. When I got into PhD and then after completion of my PhD, mm-hmm. even though I did my postdoc, I realized my core interests were in teaching. Mm-hmm. Seeing that the university offered, uh, okay, there, we know there is teaching-focused role and a core teaching-focused role uh, and the research-focused role. 
So uh, which one do you want to opt? And I actually chose a path where there's a more teaching mm-hmm. and less research. Now, the past LB Prasada Institute and Brian Holden collaboration, how it helped me is, of course, partly I'm known in, uh, in, within contact lens field, uh, given yeah. my work. That's a, a small bit, but I haven't established any uh, international collaborations because I already planned my path on the teaching side. Mm-hmm. So Great. at this stage now, if you ask me, I'm getting into a collaborations in teaching mm-hmm. rather than research only. Very next month, I'm traveling to India and also Taiwan to uh, foster these collaborations. So so I, I would say that I'm a, I am see I'm me doing a bit of research, but I see myself more of the teaching. It's interesting to see how if you have done your PhD, Research should be only your core, but you having your core interest in academics and teaching has given you a different diversion in contributing to optometry. I do know that research is also not a core in Indian education system yet. I do know it has changed a lot from where it was to what it is now. Would you like to shine more insights about how research is growing currently in India, if you're aware about it, or how can we improve that segment of research on optometry? Things have changed a lot. Just yesterday, um, we were reviewing um, abstracts for an upcoming uh, meeting, which is called a Converge 2020. Converge 2020 uh, is happening at LV Prasad Institute, uh, not at LV Prasad Institute, but in Hyderabad, but being organized by the alumni of LV Prasad Institute Optometrist, which we call as ALO. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm on the scientific committee and we are reviewing the abstracts and some of the abstract is so good. And I'm not talking about these abstracts uh, because they are coming from one of the premier uh, institutes. Right. Even the budding institutes are doing a very good job um, in research, which is which is a very, very good sign, mm-hmm. uh, a very good sign. So number one, um, the quality has definitely gone up from what it was. Mm-hmm. And number two, the number of institutes who realized that uh, re- research pathway is another important thing. And um, having research within the curriculum um, is helpful in uh, raising within the within this um, domain you know, of optometry. So people are looking at that one. And I've seen that of people are actually just getting out of the country and then doing PhD, yeah. master's is fantastic. So that's another good sign too. So I would say that overall research has improved. And if I step back and see why this has happened is because lots of people who went out are also coming back. Right. Uh, there are a few optometry schools um, who are headed by people who have completed their PhD elsewhere and then, then they came back, which is a good sign. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm a bit shameful that I, I'm not, I was not back and then I was not helping back uh, Indian optometry. But I always keep Indian optometry in my mind and then try whatever the way I can help, uh, I'll help. But yes, so people are coming back and that's a good sign. And then they are heading um, optometry schools is a good sign. And they, I think there's a partly a push coming from um, these academics mm-hmm. uh, to do more research. And I also see that uh, some of the optometrists who went back uh, um, are also applying for indigenous scholarships or funds, mm-hmm. uh, grants, uh, which are offered by Indian government, which is another good sign. So people are uh, getting Indian funds mm-hmm. to do research in India and they're optometrists. I understand that there's regulation that didn't happen, but people work and optometry is recognized in an altogether different level. Right. Um, so that's that's another thing. So. My advice, uh, if anybody is pursuing research at this stage, is yes, go for research, be intensive, 
and then don't limit uh, don't um, underestimate uh, your research even though if it is a very minute research there's no issues but uh, proceed further and then apply for grants within india also there are of course there are uh, grants which might be available outside india as well but i think indian grants are also a good start and then uh, we can focus on that one so uh, then uh, the future lies in how well you do uh, research from now on right. so i would say that uh, quite a good basis um, uh, being set everywhere in all the optometry schools. But now I think we need to foster that uh, whole research thing by uh, these optoms uh, uh, academics. Wonderful. As we are still on the topic of research, I do know that uh, you're mainly focused in teaching, but your area of interest in research is just not contact lens, but it's orthokeratology, which is another interesting domain of contact lenses. If you could share a little more insight about what you're currently working on. Okay, so um, orthokeratology interest came because um, at, at Elvira Prasa Institute, mm-hmm. uh, the orth- orthokeratology was uh, just at the preliminary stages when I when I started doing uh, contact lens uh, clinics. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of push from um, people who were, who were heading the department to do more specialty contact lenses, which was good. And that's when orthokeratology came and then we were certified um, from Paragon CRT. Then I'm talking like, like 2005, 2006, that, that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they certified us and then uh, they asked us to fit contact lenses. I was just fitting uh, contact lenses then. And of course, uh, there were questions raised in the way things are happening with the fitting and all. Um, and then I thought, so if I were to do, and at the same time, I was thinking about my uh, future studies or future master's or phd and then I, why not i actually um, explore the area which which actually is good because um, there were lots of questions raising in my head uh-huh. then i approached university and then i uh, i suggested a topic in orthokeratology and then that's how i got in orthokeratology now what i'm doing uh, what i have done in P- my phd and what i'm currently doing and what i will be doing in future is uh, the question asked in my PhD was how cornea would influence orthokeratology outcome or how a treatment zone um, is formed and what are the different effects or factors that might affect the treatment zone during orthokeratology. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it's a very trivial um, thing, but uh, given uh, the myopia control is happening so much, the research yeah. of, um, uh, focused on myopia control is happening so much, one of the big holes or big gaps in understanding um, is uh, decentration of contact lens or orthokeratology lens in myopia control. And there's lots of uh, research being done. Yes. And um, and then uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not directly involved in uh, myopia control, but uh, kind of filling up that, that gap. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I've uh, been doing, I've, I've been doing like uh, uh, how the baseline cornea um, shape would affect decentration, how coronal toricity would affect decentration of orthokeratology lenses, how uh, shape of the eyes may be uh, affecting the decentration, what we can uh, see coming from open eye decentration. If uh, Let's say if you see some decentration of open eye, is that the same decentration happening overnight or not? So that kind of uh, research I'm doing. So of, of my five days of work, four days I, um, I spend on my teaching, uh, one day I do on research. So uh, did I answer your question right? Or? Yes, you definitely did. You also mentioned about the future. Is there something that we should be expecting on your future uh, research aspect that you would... I will pursue um, uh, this research question further. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm currently involved in such kind of research. And um, the main main um, research that I do is uh, independent research through uh, the help of uh, undergraduate and postgraduate students at uh, the University of New South Wales. Mm-hmm. And that is that is what I've been presenting um, in the conferences and also in the uh, 
beating the world wide wonderful what i will be doing in future mm-hmm. uh, i'll be still be pursuing the same question because there's a lot to do in the uh, in this field so i'm uh, i'm sure all of this uh, exciting experiences that you shared didn't come easy you might have definitely faced some limitations or some struggles is there something that stands out to you whether it was moving from india to australia or something in education some limitations or struggles that you faced which you would like to share with my listeners oh sure um limitation first i'll focus on the career side of it mm-hmm. so when i came here um i already said that my core interests lied in clinics and teaching and a bit of research obviously mm-hmm. but i was limited in doing clinics because uh this is australia and i mean um australia australian optometry regularized uh, i'm i'm coming from uh, overseas right being foreign i have not be able to practice optometry here that was a big limitation mm-hmm. so if i go back again my research questions uh, came because i was in clinic and um the questions raised when i was working in clinic that's what i pursued as my phd so if i was in clinics my questioning uh, would have been different mm-hmm. but i couldn't do that uh, being here in australia because i was not seeing patients so that was a big limitation uh then after my phd then okay let's let's get into clinical optometry but to do clinical optometry i need to crack the licensing here right. to be registered as an optometrist here in australia mm-hmm. that i started in 2014 and i've been taking exams here and there theory exams and practical exams and everything and finally just a week ago I got my registration confirmed now I'm registered optometrist in Australia. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. I think that's that's wonderful. So it took, it took it took a time. See imagine I I came in uh in Australia in 2009 and then I realized uh what I should be doing by looking at the gaps within me and then I started doing exams and that now I will be able to see patient of course this year I will not be seeing patient but maybe from next year on what I'll be seeing patients and I think Uh, that that was a hurdle i thought but i now i overcame that one so now seeing patients will be a lot helpful in my research and education or teaching whatever wonderful other the other thing obviously is it more personal um, obviously you will miss your family yes oh <laughs> i can so relate to that yeah so that's the biggest thing i i, I always thought i'll go back uh, to india but there there'll be lots of things happening with the family you, you have to see life has a holistic thing you cannot see um, in parts right so uh, when you see the holistic thing uh, we decided for the sake of the family we stay here mm-hmm. for now i do not know what's the future but it is for now we are here and um, as a result of what happens is you will miss your family right. and uh, that's it because not not just the family you will miss india india is so good you will definitely miss india yes. if you are outside india <laughs> I cannot agree more to this thing and luckily I'm I am traveling to India soon so I'm happy to be there just for a short time but yes you definitely miss India uh just while we are talking about the limitations and struggle are there any legal limitations in terms of work permit in case for someone who is not coming as a student but has moved there want to pursue something in optometry or eye care what is the legal process to start working in the country okay working in um australia as an optometrist means you need to get registration mm-hmm. that's it that's it there's no other. if you want to work as an optometrist okay. okay so you need to get your registration that's the only way to uh, work here okay how to get into reg- registration is you have to do exams mm-hmm. uh, which are like uh, there's a theory exam there's a skills assessment there's a final patient examination there are three different stages of uh, exams mm-hmm. and then uh, it's not 
over yet. And another recent um, uh, requirement is for all overseas candidates um, is that they need to complete an ocular therapeutics course, which is for about a year. Okay. So that's another thing. So you can't directly come and practice here. Mm-hmm. optometry mm-hmm. so this will take time and once you crack all these exams then you can directly apply for a visa based on your credentials that you got because you cracked your exams you were you've done your therapeutics and now you're registered the moment you're registered australia would want you basically so um they would uh they'll be you can apply for a visa based on that that's one way mm-hmm. now Another way, uh, you will not be able to see patients uh, independently, but you may be able to work as an optometry assistant. And I think uh, quite a few people do that in uh, US as well. People yes. who, who who have gone to US for some other reasons, uh, maybe it's a spouse related things or not. Right. But if they were to work, they will work as an optometry assistant. And that is possible here also. But the problem is there is no visa for that. So you can't apply for a visa as an optometry assistant. Okay. So that means you are here in Australia because of some other visa. So maybe you are on a student visa or maybe you are just spouse-dependent visa mm-hmm. and now you reached Australia and now you want to work. because, the, Fortunately, unlike um, uh, America, Australia allows spouse to work, okay, which is good. So, this is very so, good. <laughs> uh, while, yeah, this is definitely very good. So while the main person is doing PhD, the spouse or the, um, the partner can work elsewhere. So that's where the person can work as an optometry assistant mm-hmm. or as an orthoptist. Okay. So, so this is, of course, you're not independent. You're working under either optometrist or ophthalmologist, um, and you're doing all the basic workup required for um, complete a- examination. And that's, but again, as I said, there's no direct visa. You need to be dependent on something else. Okay. Now, the third part, the third part is you be primary applicant for the visa and then your student visa so you are coming here as a student visa that's how i came i came as a student visa mm-hmm. while uh, i was doing my phd then i was getting exposed to teaching etc 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 and then um while while i'm here i did my exams and then i finished my exam now finished my therapeutics and then got into practice if you want to practice an optometrist it is a bit bumpy right but it, it is possible. Uh, uh, if you have good clinical skills, it is possible for you to uh, do that. I've, I've seen lots of people perceive the exams here as a very tough exams. I, I agree with that. Although they have to be strict because you are seeing patients here and um, it's all about the welfare of the patients in Australia. Right. So it, they, they will be strict. And you, of course, you have to be too good clinician to be able to crack these exams. So, um, yeah, these are the different uh, ways uh, that's how you could come to Australia. Slightly different from uh, America. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. But it's it's good to know that you do have an, uh, options and opportunities to work, uh, whether it's dependent, whether it's an optometrist or as a student. So I think that was really helpful. Thank you once again for sharing these three options. Someone who is looking for Australia is one of the options for them. Uh, one last thing before uh, we end the podcast, which I asked all my guests, is one takeaway message, one thing which you feel you always keep in your mind, which is very close to you, which helped you throughout the journey, if you would want to share. Uh, I never thought like that. But in general, to explore uh, opportunities, get out of the country and explore. And But that doesn't mean that Indian optometry is not so good. It is very good. Uh, in terms of specialty practices, in terms of exposure that we get, Indian optometry is good. 
the only thing that I think uh, we need is uh, obviously um, um, I'm sure that other people have might have touched upon this is a regularization of optometry in India. That's a very important thing. And at the same time, um, when I was doing all these exams and optometry exams here to be able to um, practice here, the way we apply is totally different here in Australia or maybe in many other countries. Mm-hmm. So let's say if you are doing um, eye examination, what are the different things that you touch? Mm-hmm. It's not just you just do an exam, examination, it's over. For example, say we are doing indirect ophthalmoscopy. So when you're doing indirect ophthalmoscopy, how methodically you're do, applying that skill is what is very important here. You can't just wear off and then do an uh, examination. There's a proper method. That is what uh, the people look into. So I'm giving a, a, a indirect ophthalmoscopy as an example, mm-hmm. but I, this applies to pretty much everything in Australia. Right. You, you Even as simple as, you know, driving a car. Right. Okay? So, so I, I think... Our mindset uh, in general, uh, the Indian mindset, need to uh, train for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and if if you're trained for that one, or uh, at least you're tuned for that one, because some people are, um, by inherent nature, they are actually tuned like that. Right. And for them, once they get out of the country, uh, countries like these, uh, it will be a lot easier um, because they can actually now think in, you know, very strategically. So I think the only advice I have is, the whole thinking process of us is firstly, don't under, underestimate yourself. Uh, number two is um, when you're learning, learn very uh, strategically and also apply your skill very strategically. That's it. I definitely love that takeaway. Thank you so much, Dr. Vinod, once again for being the guest and sharing all your information. Uh, would you like to share your email or some way where our listeners can connect to you if they have any further questions? <laughs> uh, I know the Facebook is very personal, but uh, now my Facebook is... All with all people who I don't know. (laughs) So uh, they can approach me on Facebook. But what I generally do is uh, when they approach me on Facebook, when they send me a message uh, in person, I ask them, redirect them to my email. Mm -hmm. I don't answer on my Facebook, but I'll uh, direct direct them. So they can search me on Facebook and they can ask directly on my messenger. And uh, then I will route through to um, my email. The other alternate way is... um, Look at the website. Um, UNSW website has my email ID. Mm-hmm. So that's another way to approach me easily. I can give away my email ID, but, you know, it's easy to find anybody in internet these days. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Vinod. I really appreciate your time. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I thank you. And um, uh, you're doing a fantastic job uh, connecting people uh, around the world and giving some boost to all our Indian optometry, which is fantastic. And I really appreciate that effort. Um, we, we People generally put effort when there's a return, but... Uh, to the person but in your case you're doing a fantastic job i really um uh, appreciate that and and i would like to congratulate the whole indian optometry in general uh, for their efforts uh, to do a good job around the world thank you so much dr you know these um, really means a lot to me thank you once again